Go beyond the headlines with the new MSNBC app. Get real-time analysis from live blogs to in-depth essays, video highlights from your favorite shows, and the latest updates on the 2024 election. Visit msnbc.com slash app to download. Today's meeting of the Velshi Band Book Club is officially beginning. I'm MSNBC's Ali Velshi. We've talked at length about the insidiousness of silencing LGBTQ plus and black stories. What we haven't covered nearly as much on the Velshi Band Book Club are stories about heritage, especially stories exploring Latino heritage. Why? The answer is simple. There are so few books written about the Latino experience due, at least in part, to an alarming lack of diversity in the publishing world. A recent survey conducted by Lee and Lowe Books and Boston University found that a mere 6% of publishers identify as Latino, far too low a number to account for the 20% and growing part of the U.S. population. But even outside that single-digit number, you can see it when you're at your local bookshop. There are just a few books for such a large and diverse group, the quickest-growing population in America. Titles like the two we are featuring today are all too few and far between, but they are crucial. They celebrate a vibrant community and they help others to understand it. Today on the Velshi Band Book Club, we're exploring what it means to be Latino in America in two beautiful novels. Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Alire Sines and Out of Darkness by Ashley Hope Perez. Both books are also deeply emotional and raw love stories. I warned you all last week, even the most calloused reader will be moved to tears by these two stories and their characters. Let's start with Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Aristotle is angry. He has a brother in prison and a father who feels distant. Ari, as he is called, is, quote, 15, bored, miserable, end quote, and all alone. That is, until he meets Dante, who is everything he is not, self-assured, unafraid to love art, and open to the world. When they meet at the local pool, it seems like the two have nothing in common, but they quickly become best friends, a bond that lasts a lifetime and even turns into true love. It is impossible to talk about this book without commenting on the masterful way it is written. It is lyrical, with a cadence that only makes sense once you learn that the author, Benjamin Alire Sines, is a poet. It doesn't pander or use heavy-handed metaphors. It trusts that the reader will be able to do some of the legwork themselves. Masterfully, the book spans two years, and with that passage in time, shifts in writing style, maturing as the characters do. The intricate narrative and careful word choice strike a deeply emotional chord. Even the most stone-hearted readers will get choked up. The book opens with this inscription, quote, to all the boys who had to learn to play by different rules, end quote. Ultimately, Aristotle and Dante is about identity, both sexuality and heritage. It grapples with a specific identity— Texas-raised, Mexican-born, and gay, and yet the book feels universal. 
Hopefully the reader already knows that identity contains multitudes when you open the front cover, but reading this book is like discovering that all over again. Unsurprisingly, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe has been critically acclaimed, even named among Time Magazine's 100 Best Young Adult Novels of All Time, alongside Catcher in the Rye and To Kill a Mockingbird. It's also a feature film. I'm joined now by Benjamin Alire Sines, author of Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe and the first Hispanic winner of the Penn Faulkner Award, among others. I want to talk a lot about you. I want to talk a lot about the book. Let's start with the book, though, because it's a book club. Aristotle and Dante begins with the inscription to all the boys who've had to learn to play by different rules. Now, this can be applied to Aristotle and Dante's characters in uh, different ways. Uh, Why start with this? Why use this as your inscription? What did you mean by it? Well, because it's obviously for me, to gay boys. And for me, especially for gay Latino boys, which is why I started to write young adult audience. I wanted Latino boys to read. It turned out it didn't work out that way because it's young women who read more than anybody else. And I'm grateful for their audience. But I really wanted to recognize them and to support them. You know, I think that gay young men and women and, and trans people need a lot of support. Um, they really do. And we think that it's easier today to come out than it was in my day. Of course it is. But that doesn't mean that at that moment that a young woman and a young man discover that they're different sexually, their orientations, or that perhaps that they think that they're another gender, how painful and how alone they must feel at that time. And I wanted to write a book that supported them and, and to tell them and to let them know that they're loved. It's, it's uniquely poignant in your particular case because you came out at the age of 54. I did. I've had a complicated life. Um, and I came, had a hard time coming to terms with my sexuality. And, um, and, and I finally did, and I had a lot of help from a therapist. And that was largely due to my sexual abuse. And being with a man wasn't particularly appealing to me. But I had to work with, through a lot of issues. And, and I, but I wasn't alone. I got a lot of support. And I got people who loved me, kept loving me. And that was really important. And so I, I wanted to include in the book loving parents, because there are loving parents who are very supportive of their, of their sons that are gay and their daughters that are lesbians and their transgender kids. Parents that struggle to love. And, and I wanted to write about that in this book, because I think that's terribly important. And particularly, I wanted to say that Latino families do not dismiss their kids just because they're gay. And I think that's somewhere out there in the universe. That's true. And it simply isn't. It's not the audience for your book, but would it be useful for parents of gay and lesbian and trans kids to read this? Because you you sort of honor them, right? You're making the point that they they can love and they can help their kids, even if the initial instinct when they find out their kids are not what they thought they were going to be can be negative. I think that one of the things that, that's important is that we realize that our, that our sons and daughters are, are our sons and daughters. They're kids. We're the adults. And that that if you know that if I tell you um, I'm gay, what exactly do you know about me? Nothing. And if you tell me I'm a heterosexual, what do I know about you? Nothing. Um, and we make it everything. Mm. And it's not everything. When I write, I mean, and Bonte are pretty normal, sweet kids in many ways. They are. Um, they're not atypical of, of that age group. I don't perform my sexuality ask- on the page. 
for my ethnicity on the page, the people. So there's a lot of what we call intersectionality in this book, right? There's the idea that these boys are gay. There's also the, the Mexican heritage uh, throughout the book. Uh, here's one conversation between uh, Ari and his mom. It reads in part, maybe I'll just mow lawns. That's imaginative. Too Mexican for you, mom? No, just too unreliable. Flipping burgers? That's reliable. Not very imaginative, but reliable. Come to think of it, it's the perfect job for me. I'm reliable and imaginative. She shook her head. Are you going to spend your life beating up on yourself? You're right. Maybe I'll take the summer off. You're in high school, Ari. You're not looking for a profession. You're just looking for a way to earn some money. You're in transition. In transition, what kind of Mexican mother are you? I am an educated woman. That doesn't un-Mexicanize me, Ari. She sounded a little angry. I loved her anger. I wished I had more of it. Her anger was different than mine or my father's. Her anger didn't paralyze her. I mean, Benjamin, if I could just quote one line from that instead of reading that whole, whole quote, I would have read that last line. Her anger didn't paralyze her. I want to post that on my computer and carry that around with me. Well, I think that my mother taught me that. And my anger hasn't paralyzed me. I'm not an angry man. Um, I write to give uh, young people hope because I think the world conspires to take their hope away. And I also understand that I'm, as, as a writer, I'm also an educator. And these are my children. I'm, I may be a gay man, but these young people of the world are my children. And, and I think we should all think that way. Um, they are our children. We are responsible to educate them, to love them and to take care of them. And that's our job. You know, James Baldwin once famously said, the children of the Third Reich, when they were educated to the purposes of the Third Reich, became barbarians. We are educating our children to something. And that is to be civil and to um, be kind and to realize that they belong to one another. We all belong to one another. I want to read one last quote. A major theme in the book is the companionship between these two boys, friendship and then love. Uh, one passage reads, I wanted to tell them that Dante was the first human being, aside from my mother, who had ever made me want to talk about the things that scared me. I wanted to tell them so many things, and yet I didn't have the words, so I just stupidly repeated myself. Dante's my friend. Give me 30 seconds on what you meant by that. I think that we, we don't know how special friends are. That, that we, in fact, whether sexually or not, that all of the friends we have, um, we fall in love with. And they're important. And, and then, and so friend is a holy word. It really is to say, Dante's my friend. To call someone friend to be a friend is to hold an office. And that's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. And we like to say that friends are like family. Friends are family. They really are. Who could live in this world without them? Benjamin, first of all, that was amazing that you did that in 30 seconds because you're, you're such a prolific writer. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for this book. Thank you for being who you are. Uh, thank you for your courage. Benjamin Alire Sines is the author of Aristotle and Dante, Discover the Secrets of the Universe. It is a wonderful book. Right after a short break, we're going to open up our next book of the day, Out of Darkness, by Ashley Hope Perez. Hope Perez has become a vocal opponent of book banning and censorship, but her book speaks for itself. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Fang. 
Did you know my weekly show on MSNBC is now available as a podcast? With my decades of experience as a trial lawyer, you'll get an insider's perspective on all things legal. At a time when politics and the law are inextricably intertwined, my guests and I break down what's next and why it matters, both inside and outside the courtroom. Search for The Katie Fang Show wherever you're listening and follow. Out of Darkness, our second Velshi Band book club feature of the day, could be categorized in several ways. It's a tragic interracial love story. It's an honest and brutal look at racism in the 1930s, and it examines the painful realities of objectifying women. It's also historical fiction set against a real-life tragedy, the New London School Explosion. In 1937, a natural gas leak destroyed the entire school, killing nearly 300 students and teachers. But the blast is only one of the book's horrors. Our heroine is Naomi, a bilingual Mexican-American girl. After the death of her mother, she and her two half-siblings move in with their deeply abusive stepfather, Henry, to the Texas oil town of New London. While Naomi's half-siblings pass as white and easily assimilate to their new school and town, Naomi's not that lucky. However, she finds Wash, one of the few black people in the community. He is kind and provides solace, protection, and the sort of hope that only comes with first love. Naomi and Wash are certainly star-crossed lovers, although their end is even more gruesome than Romeo and Juliet's. Ultimately, Henry shoots them both to death after raping Naomi and bludgeoning Wash. Its effect is devastating and shocking, but it doesn't feel gratuitous. The scope of the murder could not exist without the pervasive racism within their Texas town and so much of the nation at the time. It also could not exist without Henry's patriarchal need for control. Perhaps the true devastation in reading this scene is in the realization that something so appalling could exist outside the pages of a book. Out of Darkness is told using numerous points of view, including through the eyes of Henry and a group of deeply sexist and racist boys called The Gang. They function as a collective, a refrain to the racist and sexist songs of the town. The gang introduces the reader to the relentless objectification and harassment Naomi faces every single day as a woman, particularly a Mexican-American woman. Their voice is intentionally crude. One parent in Lake Travis, Texas, took umbrage with a particular passage from one of the gang's chapters and condemned it at her local school board meeting. You might remember her screaming for educators in her district to focus on, quote, education and not public health, end quote, from the first episodes of the Velshi Band Book Club. I'm not defending Out of Darkness as an easy read or suggesting that it's appropriate for every reader. It is neither. It is brutal and searing. Sometimes you need to close the covers and come up for air from this book, Out of the Darkness. But challenging subject matter. Emotional writing and gruesome events do not a banned book make. Assuming you're of an advanced reading level and emotionally equipped for Out of Darkness, you stand to learn a great deal from it. The book harnesses the power of discomfort we've talked so much about as a book club. I'm joined now by Ashley Hope Perez, author of Out of Darkness. Thank you so much for having me. 
Out of Darkness is a challenging read. There's no question about it. It is tough. Uh, what do you say to parents who argue that their child is not ready for a book like this? I'm a parent, so I really relate to those concerns. And I would tell them, no problem. Your child doesn't need to read this book. But if they want to read it, read it with them if you have concerns. Let's talk about the passage that the mother in Lake Travis, Texas, was angry about. For obvious reasons, I'm, I'm not going to read out what that passage is. Uh, it is graphic. The gang in this scene is imagining what it would be like to rape the main character. He talks about a lot of tough subject matter. Tell me about that particular thing. This mother seemed to be quite taken by that. And, and there's a concern that out of context, that makes sense what she said, but it's not out of context. It's a passage in your book that is meant to be about something. Yeah. So my goal, like many authors, is not to endorse negative behavior, right? But sometimes we need to represent it to be able to show the effects it has on people and their communities. So one of the things that I did in Out of Darkness was use these passages from the perspective of the gang to condense the racism and misogyny that are part of what the main character Naomi has to deal with. So by kind of putting it in a pressure cooker and distilling it down, readers get what it's like to walk into a school space and be confronted with these stares. And we as readers see, what are they thinking? What are they assuming they get to do to her body? And that kind of representation has been really important for readers, especially those who aren't often on the receiving end of that kind of treatment or attention. So certainly young men reading that mm -hmm. are not being encouraged to enact those behaviors, but to think about what their choices of words, looks, actions uh, mean for the women in their lives. Right. So you're connecting something that maybe some young men who are violent and, and, and racist would say. But there's also seems to be a subtext to the fact that maybe things that we men say around each other uh, can have a, a, a remarkable impact, even if your intent is not what you actually believe it to be. Correct. Yep. And that's I think that's one of those things to recognize that the power of words is not just in um, in your intent, but in the effects that um, you have and in what kind of culture you create around um, other people's bodies and how they are yeah. read as available or unavailable. Yeah. There's a, a long history of controversial young adult books, Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Andrews, Go Ask Alice uh, by Beatrice Sparks, uh, even Bridge to Terabithia by Catherine Patterson. All of these are considered contemporary or cult classics at this point, and they all faced extreme uproar, bans, challenges. Talk to me about writing for this genre. You, you have to go into it knowing you're going to face this kind of scrutiny. I, you do. I mean, this book came out in 2015. So I did anticipate pushback then and it never came uh, because I think mm. folks recognized what uh, that was, you know, at the height of sort of um, the emergence of Black Lives Matter movements. And I think folks were receiving it, recognizing what was the significance of these kinds of starting conversations about our racialized violence in our history as we were reckoning with it in our present. Uh, but I think that as far as you know, the fact that people get worked up about what young people are reading has to do with fear and control, right? I mean, no one in these school board meetings is talking about the cell phones that are in their kids' pockets, right? They have immediate access 
to so much content. And what I think is important about literature and has been in the case of all the books you mentioned and many other works of literature is the opportunities it creates for young people. So rather than focusing on uh, objections parents have, schools can focus on how they are supporting parents, teachers, librarians, students in having difficult conversations that we really need to have. Does it help if the concept around teaching this book in school does include all of the criticism and why. I mean, that's sort of how I remember reading about books. We'd be clear about the fact that this is controversial writing or certainly was when it was released and this is how it evolved. It, it, wouldn't that be the goal? Sitting there and saying, here's the teacher's guide to Out of Darkness as opposed to let's not read Out of Darkness. Sure. I mean, first of all, I don't know that Out of Darkness has ever been an assigned book in any classroom. The most inclusion it's had in curriculum is as like a book club choice. Right. So an option. So it's always optional reading for young people. And I think that that's important to stress when folks are looking at the books that are being banned across the country. We're talking about removing them as choices from libraries. So yes, if a teacher wants to teach out of darkness, they should certainly prepare students and their parents for the kind of content it has. Um, however, in most cases, this is just a book that's available on the shelf, along with Faulkner and Hemingway mm -hmm. and all the many other works of literature that also engage with difficult content. This the is an Bible. interesting that's and important <laughs> point that you make, because a lot of books that are banned are not taught to students. They're just available to students. Correct. I was a high school teacher, so I can say I wouldn't yeah. assign this to a 10th grade literature class. Right. But that's what we face. We face a whole lot of people saying, yeah, I mean, there's certainly people this book isn't for, but it's for other people. Uh, let's keep that available for people and let them make informed choices if they're equipped to handle it. Thank you so much for joining us in the Velshi Band Book Club. Ashley Hill Perez is the author of the banned book, Out of Darkness. There is a persistent and damaging sexist trope that books written by women and for women are frivolous, light, and devoid of true meaning. Next time on Velshi Band Book Club, we subvert that narrative with two powerful so-called chick-lit books that have equally important messages, Speak by Lori Hulse Anderson and Ready or Not by Meg Cabot. Do not miss it. We invite every member of the Velshi Band Book Club to write to us with questions, comments, and your reactions. Send them to mystory@velshi.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Velshi Band Book Club. You can also catch Velshi on MSNBC every weekend at 10 a.m. Eastern. The writer and producer of this podcast is Hannah Holland. Our booking producer is Lily Corvo. Associate producers are Chanel Adams, Nicole McReynolds, Samantha Brown, and Jen Maris Perez. Production assistant is Eunice Atacoya. Our senior producers are Jared Blake, Dina Moss, and Alicia Conley. Rebecca Dryden is our executive producer. Our technical director is Bryson Barnes. Our audio engineer is Cedric Wilson. Aisha Turner is the executive producer for MSNBC Audio. And Rebecca Cutler is the senior vice president for content strategy at MSNBC. Search for Velshi Band Book Club wherever you get your podcasts and follow the series.
Get the latest updates on this year's high-stakes election with MSNBC's How to Win 2024 newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll get expert analysis on key races sent straight to your inbox, including articles written by the host of the How to Win podcast, Jennifer Palmieri. Subscribe today at msnbc.com slash win.